Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Davis, and you're watching the Sons of UCF live. Oh, that's a tough way to open, Adam. Hello, Night Nation. I had to do it. Oh, my goodness. I'm Trey Strelka. Welcome to the Sons of UCF live. The upset-minded Knights hit the road, and they will not have Kalia Davis. We dig in on Cincinnati. Find out how to win a pair of tickets to next week's game with Memphis. Of course, we are answering your questions. Let us welcome in the Sons of UCF, Adam and Mike. Gentlemen, hello. Trace, hello, Mike, hello. Big week. We got a big game on Saturday. Obviously, the the tides may not be in our favor, but uh, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, this is the game we all circled on the schedule before the season started and should be a matchup of top 25 teams that we haven't held up our end of the bargain, mostly because of injuries, but it's still a big one. Well, that is tough for you to open the show with Kalia Davis, who was uh, generous with it's his an, time and doing that. A tip of the cap to, to Kalia. We wish him well on his uh, his recovery. Obviously, sounds like surgery coming soon. If you watch the Our Time episode, you get some more details on his injury. Uh, and if you did watch the Our Time episode, hopefully you had your, your tissues nearby because it was a bit of a – it got misty in there, Trace, Mike. It got misty watching that episode. Mike, did you see it yet? I watched it, yeah. Um, I didn't shed any tears, but, it, you know, it choked you up. A heartless. Bit. You're heartless. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard. I'm – I'm just saying my allergies really kind of kicked in. I don't know why I just did that. My allergies really kicked in during that. Let's talk about some news from today. A boom from Coach Malzahn. Offensive tackle Bless, that's B-L-E-S-S, Bless Harris, announces a transfer to UCF from that vaunted football power, Lamar. That is a boom from Gus Malzahn this Thursday. What What are you feeling about that? Offensive tackle from Lamar. If we've learned anything this season so far is you can never have too much depth, particularly on the lines. Obviously, we're seeing on the D-line with a bunch of injuries to Barber and not to Kalia Davis. The O-line is just the same. Um, A, I don't know if Bless is his real name, but if so, that's awesome. And B, in my opinion, you can never have too much depth on the line. So if, if this kid can can take somebody and throw them on the ground and let a running back run past him. I'm all for it. I think depth is important. So uh, sounds like a good idea to get somebody large who can knock people over. Looked like he had some offers from some other big schools too. I think Virginia was in there. I think the cows were going after him. So at least we didn't let him go to Tampa and we took him. Of course, three seniors on the line, uh, Marcus Tatum, Cole Schneider, Sam Jackson. Yeah, it looks like he's got two years of eligibility. We'll see how he fits in. But again, you do need depth. Uh, early reviews good for the space game uniform. Space game coming up on uh, Friday, October 22nd against Memphis. What do you guys think? Uh, honoring the 40th anniversary of the shuttle program. A lot of detail went into it. Yeah, clean look. I like I like that part. I mean, we've seen the, the wild colors and whatnot. I think it's a cleaner look than we've seen in the past. I personally like the space uniforms to not be in the white color. So particularly a, a, maybe a black or a gray I would have preferred. But nice, clean look, some good stuff. I like that they didn't go all crazy with different colors and different color schemes and, and do too much. The details on the helmet stripe, I think, are the coolest thing. We've seen a bunch of our uh, our fellow knights on Twitter who's, who recognize their names on the helmet stripe. That is really cool it's not made my goal of mine to somehow figure out how to get my name on a ucf helmet <laughs> yeah um 
you know, th th I'm okay with the space thing. I, I'm glad we didn't go overboard with the Canaveral blue or anything like that. There's a little hint of it. There's a little red there on the helmet. I don't know how I feel about that, but other than that, it's fine for a one-game thing. Yeah, that one game, and I want to thank a friend of mine, John, who is offering up a pair of tickets, section Ooh. 231, row one, not able to make the game. John, thank you for your ticket offer, and it comes with just this. Give us a five-star review, and uh, the Suns on their next episode will draw from that and announce it on the Suns pod, section 231, row one, a pair of seats, two seats. Leave us a nice review on this show, on the pod, on both, on all of us. I saw Libby with her message up there. Libby, do you know who's who here between Adam and Mike? Uh, she was a little confused, Mike. You uh, heard that, right? That's Mike, that's Mike, Mike over I, there. I did hear that. I don't know how closely she's followed the show in the last few months. So, <laughs> I, I would, <laughs> last few, you don't look exactly few months. Like, you've been doing this thing for years. She still hasn't figured out yeah. who's who. <laughs> I don't think she started listening until just a couple months ago. She's one of the newer listeners, I think. I mean, we literally look nothing alike. There's literally nothing about Mike and I that is similar <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. I'm not sure if it's a... I don't know who should be more insulted on that one, me or Mike. I, probably Mike, I assume. Mm. <laughs> uh, Knights moved to 3-2 and two with the 2016 victory over ECU. And that means a little shakeup in the bowl projections. Action Network has UCF Appalachian State down in your neck of the woods, Mike. Boca Bowl, CBS Sports says UCF North Carolina in the Fenway Bowl in Boston in late December. Of course, the Knights still three wins away from bowl eligibility. Let's talk about what you liked in this game. You spent a lot of time breaking down the game on your show earlier this week. By the way, a win is so much better than a loss, of course. And I like Happy Mike. That is a big thing for me. Happy Mike on the shows is important. I liked Mikey Keene's poise on that last drive, the game-winning touchdown drive. He kept his composure, led the Knights down the field as clock was ticking away. I liked what we saw from Mikey Keene on that drive. We're going to need to see more of it this week against Cincinnati. I'm not sure if that was happy Mike as much as it was drunk Mike, but I liked the two-headed monster of Johnny Richardson and Mark Anthony Richards. I think they complement each other well. I mean, Mark Anthony did not get a ton of carries until the very end of the game, and obviously uh, he got the, uh, I guess, the seminal carry that we needed there. I thought the two-headed monster between Johnny and his elusiveness, his speed. Mark Anthony was really physical. He was taking on hits and obviously plowed in for the touchdown. I thought that two-headed monster combination was really good. I like the defense, man. That was the best defensive performance we had all year against the team that we thought was going to put up some points. East Carolina came into this game pretty hot on offense. They had a dynamic running back that we said could break it from any part of the field. Held him in check. That was a big part of this game. I held him to, I think, 67 yards total. And, uh, you know, the category of what we didn't like, what we want to see improvement on. It took them until 20 seconds left in the game to take the lead and win that game over ECU. You're going to need more offense if you're going to beat Cincinnati on the road. Yeah, it's, for me, it's a passing game. It just, just doesn't seem to be clicking right now. I think, obviously, Gus is trying to figure some things out with Mikey Keene. Mikey's trying to get some rhythm with his receivers. But we saw a lot of sort of – I feel like we saw the same play over and over again. Ryan O'Keefe came across in a jet sweep and caught the ball to flat and then had to make a move. We saw that play a ton. Uh, Brandon Johnson, six targets, only one catch. Brandon's a pretty solid receiver. They didn't seem to be able to link up. So the passing game just seems to be a little bit off right now. To be expected, by the way, so I don't think this is a complete shock but uh, against the Cincinnati group we're going to have to figure out how to make sure that they respect that uh, that aspect of the offense I mentioned it on the show I didn't like the penalties and it was kind of sloppy all around some um, undisciplined penalties you know pushing on the sidelines on a punt things like that we can't have roughing the kicker and then those two plays where the offensive line didn't move I didn't like that I don't want to see that anymore I saw the comment from Mike Doty, was it, asking where the tight end's been. Not a good category for your preseason projections. Was it 21, 23? What was it, number of I think catches? It was, 20, it was 25. 25. And, uh, yeah, it feels like, I said on the show, it feels like Gus has lost confidence in the tight end position. I know uh, Hescock had a really unfortunate drop, I think it was against uh, Louisville. Uh, obviously, Alec Holler had a couple of tough drops against Navy. I don't know if he's lost confidence in that position. Is it Charlie Browder time? I don't know what we're going to do there, but the tight end certainly disappeared um, against ECU. Holler had about five catches in the Navy game. I think we were kind of going after him there. But since then, this past week, nothing early in the season, nothing. What's the total up to right now? Is it about eight catches so far for the year? I think we're still at eight, yeah, because we, we had zero against uh, ECU, so we should still be at eight. 
Going to need a significant uptick. By the way, end of the first quarter, Memphis rolling along on Navy. Memphis, the next opponent, next Friday for the Knights, 14-7 over Navy, end of the first quarter. This week, though, Knights go to Cincinnati. Cincinnati up to number three in the rankings. A lofty spot for the Bearcats. They are undefeated. They are nearly 20-point favorites, depending on the line you look at. A lot of Knights fans will be watching that high noon on ABC. Announced today, the Knights are going to wear the white helmets, the white jerseys, and they break out the pewter, the pewter pants for this one. Another good combo for the Knights. It's going to be a difficult test for them, though, on the road at Nippert Stadium. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're going to dive into it later on with a Cincinnati insider, but I mean, they're they're a really good uh, team. They're a really solid team across the board. I think their defense obviously has a lot of players that potentially we'll see playing on Sunday. It is going to be a tough task. I can't remember the last time, um, Mike, you might know this. When's the last time UCF was a, a 20 point uh, mm. underdog? I feel like it's been a long time. Michigan, maybe like Michigan. That. It's possible, yeah. It's been about four or five years since we've been in that category. So it, it's going to be a daunting task. Cincinnati's got a, a, a really good team, a really good defense. So uh, I don't think uh, th- this, is, this certainly won't be an easy, but that's what makes it more exciting. If we go in there and figure out a way to pull this out, you know, it could be one of the, uh, the best wins in UCF history. Yep. And we got to find a way to just not beat ourselves, play as clean as possible. I mentioned the penalties, no turnovers. Don't give them any short fields, anything like that. Make them earn every part of that game and just hang in as long as we can. Monday, Coach Malzahn spoke with the media and opened up with a preview of Cincinnati. Very impressive on the run fits. Uh, they challenge you. They play a lot of man. They got some real guys that can cover. Um, just They got a real defense. You know, offensively, ninth in scoring offense. Uh, the quarterback's been playing a long time. Very impressed with the way he manages the game. Um, got a good run game, a good pass game. They're really a complete team when you look at them. The uh, Bearcats averaging 41 points per game, perhaps more impressively, only giving up 12.2. That's first in the league. Let me ask you this question. Knights win the uh, coin toss. Do you want to go on offense first and have that raucous Nippert Stadium crowd, or do you want to put the defense out there against uh, Desmond Ritter and crew? I think I would go defense on this one. I think let them have the ball first. I mean, it's going to be a noon kickoff. Maybe they're going to be a little bit tired, a little bit sluggish. You know, if we can come out early and, and get a get a good stop and then get a score, Uncle Momentum really swings in our favor. So I may go defense on that one. I think we go with defense as well. Just because I want the ball to start the second half, I don't want them to have the ball at the end of the half and then come back out and, and blow the game open at that point. So at least you have the ball start the second half. I think we'll be okay. By the so, way, can we – can we yeah. hire Mike Doty as a researcher? So <laughs> the number three ranked team, one and five against the spread and three and three straight up. And then UCF is seven and oh in noon kickoffs uh, since 2017. So uh, Mike Doty, may, maybe or Dottie, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Uh, son's a UCF official researcher at this point. Mike, holler at us on uh, Monday or, or, or Saturday after the game with the, the win uh, for the Knights on the road. You, you got a spot here. Uh, we can we can utilize this sort of. Do uh, we have a do we have a new mic? Oh, a new mic. Can we give the man a hat, Mike? Oh, he's already <laughs> promised a lot of hats. So I'm at men's soccer with a friend on Sunday night, and Sports Information's uh, Dan Forsellick calls me, and he says, hey, hey, are you nearby? And it was still about 20 minutes until uh, I needed to get over for defensive coordinator Travis Williams. And I said, well, I'm over at soccer. He says, can you come over now? Practice has ended early. And I said, oh, yeah, sure. So I wandered over, and uh, fist bumped T-Will, and uh, it appears I was the only one. I was the only one there. So Big 12 bound we are, the crush of media, that pressure cooker. Uh, it was uh, impromptu one-on-one. I thought we were going to the media room. T-Will says, hey, can we just do it in the Nicholson Field? All right, I'll just set up the tripod there. So it was all sort of thrown together. But he did talk about what he expects to see from Cincinnati's offense. It's well coached. I mean, they, they're well coached. They do what they do on offense. You know, they have obviously a really good quarterback, really good receivers, really good tight end really good running backs. They're a really good football team, you know, from top to bottom. And it starts at the top with their coach. They're, they're a well-coached bunch that we have to be prepared for. Like I was telling the guys earlier, preparation is the key. We have to be prepared. We have to be ready to go out there when the ball is kicked off. The Knights cannot beat themselves, right? They, You know, Mike, you just mentioned eight penalties for 80 yards, turnovers. They cannot beat themselves and hope to remain in this game. No, absolutely not. But I'm more impressed. The Trace Trilco exclusive. Does anybody else have that video? Or is it just us? No, nobody else was there. <laughs> just <right>. me. <laughs> yeah, just me. Yeah. 
We, of course, still don't know about the number of players that have been injured and out. Coach Malzahn is funny at the Monday media availability when he's asked about injuries. He said, yeah, I'll have that out later in the week. Uh, all right. It's, it's Thursday. We don't know about Isaiah Bowser. We don't know about Flash. We don't know about any number of players. And I guess that keeps Cincinnati guessing. I asked on Twitter at SignPez this week, if not for the injuries, what might the record be for the three and two nights? And 60 plus percent of people said, oh, they'd be five and oh, and nearly everyone else, they'd be four and one. I think they'd at least be four and one. You can say they're just a couple of plays away from being undefeated. And we know the impact of the injuries, but you could also just be a couple of plays away from being one and four too. I feel like four and one's probably the right ballpark. I mean, I think Louisville was playing well now. To be fair, Bowser went out early. Jay Flash uh, went out second half. Ricky Barbro, I don't even know where he when he went out. Um, and Dylan got hurt last play of the game, and obviously we were down at that point. So I feel like I'd be willing to concede a four and one at that point. I do think we beat Navy if we have at least half of those guys back. I think we beat Navy um, hopefully pretty handily. So I go four and one. I feel like that feels right. Yeah, the Louisville game is where we got beat up the most, and we lost a lot of key guys that night. I know Dylan was there until the end, but those other guys, the Bowser going out early really changed the, the whole game plan in that game. I, I voted for 5-0. and oh. I think we win that game. That was a game we still had a chance to win, even with a lot of those guys out. So a um, whole different season if everybody's healthy, but that's football. Let's pose that question to the unofficial fourth son, former UCF quarterback Nick Patty, who stops by. Nick, what do you think? If not for injuries – are the Knights undefeated after five? I think you could certainly say that. Um, you know, like you guys said, that's football, right? You you can't really uh, plan for that stuff. And, and everybody's going through it in a certain amount. But um, I think so. I think it's pretty safe to say it would be a little bit different. I do believe we did squeak the Navy one out. I don't think we, we lose that one. Um, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say. All right, Nick, first home start for Mikey Keene. Um, grade his performance. How do you think he did? Um, pretty well. I saw a lot of things that I was encouraged about, specifically, you know, sticking in there till the very end and pulling out a drive to win the game. I think that that's huge for the confidence, you know, especially going home this week. We talked about it the last time I was on. You know, a home start is a little bit different than being on the road. There's a lot more distractions. There's a little bit more juice. This is obviously – the biggest environment, you know, arguably that he may play in at UCF this week, you know? So um, I think it's really good that there was a, a nail biter last week. I think it's really good that he has that kind of, you know, experience under his belt where you kind of got to grind through. I thought, um, you know, I, I think it was encouraging is the word that I use. I wasn't overwhelmingly excited, but kind of after week one, I mean, I saw a lot of good things with his, um, you know, presence. I saw a lot of good things with his physical attributes that he can he can build on. We were just talking about all the injuries we have. If we can only pick one guy to get back this week, Isaiah Bowser or Jalen Robinson, which guy do you think we need more to beat Cincinnati? I go Bowser all the way, man. And uh, the reason I say that is because I think the only way, you know, that you beat a team like Cincinnati is to control the time of possession, control the turnover margin. Uh, Bowser helps us with that a ton and not just him, but being able to kind of spread the ball, keep the ball on the ground. Um, I think we got to stay aggressive so we can't just, you know, run the clock out and keep the ball on the ground every play, but he would allow us to, I think, create a little more offense um, on the ground. And so, man, if we could get him back this week, that would be huge. Well, we wait to see who may come back. We lose yet another Kalia Davis. That is a blow to the defense. Big time. Um, yeah, I think he's sort of the anchor, right? And I think uh, this week, especially with – they move around a lot on the offensive side of the ball. They create a lot of, you know, diversions, if you will. They use the entire field. And so I think having that rock in the middle um, is really good because it disrupts the run game and ha makes them have to go off tackle. You can put a little bit more emphasis or focus, you know, on the off tackle guys. The Your second-level defenders can spread out a little bit. And so – um, some guys are going to have to step up, but that's a big one. He, he's a, he's, he's extremely athletic in there as well. And so I think anybody that's mobile, mobile quarterbacks, he causes a fit for because he can chase them around and cause some havoc. So we need some guys to step up. 
I guess ECU, UCF was 5 of 15 on third down. Obviously, we know Cincinnati's defense is pretty stout. I looked at the, the game logs really quickly. Of those five that they converted, one was a penalty, and four of them were third and three or fewer, meaning that they were 0 and 10 on third and four or longer. What does UCF have to do on first and second down to stay out of that situation as we face Cincinnati? Yeah, we've talked about it a couple of times. I think that's been the Achilles heel of the offense this year is third down. And it will absolutely crush us this week just because, like I said, I, I don't think there's anything more important than the time of possession battle. And, and if you don't win third down, you don't win the time of possession battle. And um, I think specific to your question, what they can do, I think second down has been our biggest issue, right? It's, we maybe have get three or four to six on first down and then we just sort of stall and you know I, I know they like to go fast and i know he likes to keep it doing the tackles and uh you know try to keep the train moving but then it seems like we stall you know and then we're we're in that third and short to medium range which we just haven't done really well in for whatever reason so um you know i don't know exactly what the answer is i think that i'd, I'd love for them to get more multiple after big plays seems like we have a big play and then we go very basic and we go very, you know, just because we want to go fast. And, you know, that's, that's one of the Achilles heels of offenses that go really fast because you may not have the right personnel on the field for a certain play you want to run, but you, you, you only have a certain amount of plays that you can run with everybody. Right. So what Gus does is tries to go fast and he can be very vanilla. Um, and then in turn, you know, you, you have a second down that stalls and then you're in third and six to, eight, you know, or third and four to six. So, um, you know, I'd like to see them spread it out. We've said it a couple of times, get the tight ends more involved, especially on second down, keep the ball in the air on second down. Um, and then I think at least there's a, there's a conversation there about, man, all of our third downs are third and long. Cause we're, you know, we're incomplete on, on first and second down. I think that is a, a better, uh, you can almost swallow that more because you're taking shots and, and you're trying to create and, and more often than not, then you will. Cincinnati has a very veteran defense. We saw what they did to Dylan Gabriel as a true freshman a couple years ago. You think this is a week maybe where we see more Joey Gatewood or is he going to be completely phased out this week? I hope so. I think, um, I think it's a great week for him to get in the mix. I think it's a great week for him to get in the mix to try to take a little bit of pressure off of Mikey. I know that's, contradictive to what I've said probably week to week, but I think this is a good week that when, you know, the it's third and short and there's a lot of excitement in the stadium, I think it's a really good time to them for them to mix him in. I think it's uh it might be a good week to come up with a little trickeration with both of them on the field. I think if there's a stop that you pull with Joey, it's this week. Um, you know, I, I think Mikey's doing a great job. He seems to be as big as of the moment, you know, he seems to be up for the challenge. Um, and it's certainly not, a, you know, against his play. I just think that Joey is a, is a, a weapon that we could utilize, especially in this environment, right? He's played in some big stadiums, played in some big games. He can help slow the pace down, help control the time of possession and, and maybe create some stuff for us. Let me ask you Mike's question on screen. Do we see more under center snaps this week? It's a good question. Um, you know, I, I don't think that their their offense is built for that per se. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world, especially in the play action game. I think it could it could create some really different looks that really college football in general is not used to seeing right now, specifically Cincinnati. Um, you know, and I think it, 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 in my opinion, it all depends on the comfort level of Mikey Keene, right? Because all, quarterbacks are our comfort, their comfort levels are way different getting under center. And, and a lot of guys all the way through high school and, and football nowadays, and you're seeing it from college to the NFL, have never gotten under center. And so the whole, your whole mindset changes, your whole comfort level changes. And so, you know, if, if he's not comfortable, I, I would really shy away from it. But if, if he's got some experience and he can work back there and, you know, with his size, you can be really multiple in, in the play action game and you can be pretty creative with, you know, he, he's, he's hidden back there at times. And so, um, you know, not the worst idea in the world if, if he's comfortable. moment ago, you mentioned trickery. There's a risk in that, though, right, with a true freshman quarterback. How much of that might you expect to see from Gus Malzahn? It would seem if you're going to trot out some of that stuff and throw Cincinnati off a bit, now is the time for it. I think so. I mean, I think you just have to, you, right? It, I mean, it's kind of cliche, but it's it's like, you know, hit or miss kind of deal. If it hits, you're the hero. If not, 
you just have to have the right mindset with Mikey. You got to communicate with him. I think as a coaching staff with, Hey, we're going to try to think outside of the box a little bit here. If it works great, if not, let's just keep plugging. Right. Cause that's a really easy way. I think to get a quarterback out of their rhythm is to, you may have something going on offense. You throw in a trick play and it, it loses 12 or you throw a pick or, you know, the receiver throws a pick, whatever it is. And so, um, you know, I think that's just part of the preparation of, Hey, if we're going to do these, if we're going to get tricky, this is when we're going to do it. I think it's, really good time of the field to do that would be, you know, 50 to 35 yard line, maybe on third or fourth down, you're in the middle, you know, you, you don't know if you want to punt it or go for it. Um, so I think that's when they could mix it in, fake field goals, fake punts to where you're not really, you're, you're taking chances with either taking points off the board or flipping field position. You're not taking chances with a third down that you got a quarterback that's moving and he could get it for you. I think, you mix those in when you're taking chances that the offense isn't going to be on the field. All right, Nick, Gus might not win every game on the field, but I'll tell you one thing he wins is the post-game uh, locker room speech. He seems to be money <laughs> with those post-game locker room speeches. Who's the best coach you ever had who gave the best post-game or pre-game locker room speech? Mm, great question. Um, pre-game would be uh, – Keith Bonifa at Boise State, he gave a really, he was a pretty, uh, he was a heavy motivator, man. Coach Pete wasn't big on pregame speeches. Uh, so Coach Coach B would uh, would jump in and get everybody pretty hyped up. Um, that'd probably be the the most juice that we got. Frost was pretty good at giving uh, getting some juice going. He was really good at, uh, you know, that Friday night motivational video mixing in you know, some, some pretty cool, you know, gladiator type stuff, or, you know, it, it was, he was pretty good about getting you motivated the night before, but a pretty soft-spoken guy on, on game day. As, as a player, right, does that stuff excite you guys, or does it, is, is it cheesy after a while? I mean, obviously it feels <laughs> like it's the same after, after, you know, every game, but as a player, how, how does that, how does that speech come across to you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's different. Some guys are a little, more lame than than others right some guys are a little more like old school it's kind of like save it man you know we're good but uh some guys are pretty good at it man some guys are motivational you spend a lot of time together right and i think that's the biggest thing when when you can see coaches get vulnerable and you can see coaches come out of their skin when they typically might not you know week to week and you see guys i think that's the one thing that you realize over the years is is uh you know on game day the night before game day the morning of you see guys act a little bit different than they typically would on your, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday of practice. So I think it's a, uh, it's a really cool experience throughout the years to see people kind of change and, and you see certain people that were really, you know, in a shell four years later, here they are, you know, leading the, leading the pack. So that was a really cool thing throughout the years, certain guys more than, more than others, but yeah, a lot of guys are pretty cheesy. <laughs> no, Larry speeches pumped you up, I guess. <laughs> He was uh, he was motivational. That's for sure. Yeah, he 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 would get your your blood boiling a little bit, one way or another. That's for sure. He uh, he never missed a, an opportunity to get you fired up. <laughs> All right, so we're a three touchdown underdog on the road against the number three team in the country. What do we have to do? What has to go our way for us to win this game on Saturday? Yeah, I think I go back to it, man. I think it's it's turnovers, time of possession, right? I think you have to, you got to win those. I think they, Cincinnati is really good at, at creating turnovers. I think they have nine, nine picks or something over five games, which, and a couple fumble recoveries, stuff like that. So they're, they're creating multiple turnovers a game, which is how you run away with it. So in a hostile environment against a really good football team, um, you know, I, I, I think it's that simple. You can't recreate the wheel. I don't think there's any one thing that we can say. I mean, obviously, you, you have to try to contain Ritter, but I just don't think that he's playing good enough football right now that that's not going to be the case. So you can't just say, well, we got to stop him and we'll win the game. You're not going to, right? So you got to find specific ways where you can find an edge. And, and whether that's, you know, time of possession, making sure you don't turn the ball, turn the ball over, um, flipping the field, right? I think what we need to get throughout this game. If, if we don't get a first down and we're going to punt flipping the field position, that's a win in this type of game. If you can get the field position back in your favor. I mean, those are the kind of things I think we just need to stack and stack. And then third down. I mean, I, I just think if we fix the third down issue on the offensive side of the ball, at least um, a lot of problems go away. And, and I think we're a lot more productive. 
And then on defense, I just I think we need to try to find a way to create some turnovers, um, whether that's a block punt on special teams or, you know, a pick here or there. If we could get a couple advantages like that, I, I really think we'll have a chance. Three touchdowns is a is a is a heavy dog, as you guys all know. Um, so that's a lot of advantages you got to try to find. I, I I hate to be the, the the fan that says we absolutely have a chance, but I do think we absolutely have a chance. I think UCF's that team like an AM last week that's, you know, three and two, they show up against Alabama and they're a really good football team. I think UCF's a really good football team. I think they have some coaches that have been in every environment you could possibly been in. So I wouldn't count them out. Nick Patty says there's a chance. So that's what I'm hearing. I'm buying in. Nick, thanks for stopping by the Sons of UCF Live, and we will see you again as the season progresses. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you very much, Thanks, Nick. Nick. He says there's a chance. I, I believe him. They can pull that upset over number three. We've seen it all season long, right? A lot of chaos in college football. Let's create a little of that high noon Saturday at Cincinnati. We're going to learn a little bit more about the Bearcats in just a moment. Reminder, ticket giveaway. Uh, next Friday, Memphis, a pair of tickets. Give us a five-star review. The Suns will uh, pick that during their show coming up early in the week as they review the Cincinnati game. Look ahead to Memphis. As long as they, they remember to do it, and don't forget, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you got to jot those things down and, and remember to do it. Uh, men's basketball and women's basketball, the preseason projections out this week. Men projected fifth by the AAC head coaches. Hard for me to believe that if they, in fact, finished fifth, that that would be an NCAA tournament bid coming in at fifth. Uh, second team all-conference, Brandon Mahan. Women pick second behind the cows. Uh, Tay Sanders, first team all-conference. A little bit of pressure on Johnny Dawkins this year. Will fifth be good enough for Knights fans? Uh, probably not. I mean, I feel like our expectations are always unrealistic as it comes to basketball. And the challenge is we've always had a lot of injuries. So we always say, Hey, if we actually can go this season without injuries, we have a squad. And I think what we do, but I, I think fifth would be a disappointment if that's where we end up landing. Cause I agree. I don't think we're a five bid league, um, in the American conference. Uh, so at five, that obviously is way outside looking in. I don't think people are going to really, really want to see that. Yeah, there's some pretty good basketball teams in this conference. Still got uh, Houston's very good. Um, Memphis is very good. Wichita State's has always had our number. That's a, we got to get past one of those teams. We got to get past Wichita, something like that, make that leap up to two to three or four at least. Five is a, a little off of where I'm expecting. Just a couple of weeks until basketball starts, so we'll have more coverage and more media opportunities with Coach Dawkins, Coach Abe, as the uh, season approaches early November. Going around the Kingdom Volleyball, they uh, swept the Cows on Wednesday. They picked up three points in the Warren I-4 rivalry. This the series there, or the, uh, the year-long season uh, contest is tied at six points each. We're still early going. This is the 17th straight win for volleyball over the Cows. you got to like it. And uh, Knights are 19th in the RPI at Temple on Sunday. Men's soccer, they knocked off sixth-ranked Tulsa 3-2. They will be at number 24 SMU Saturday at 8. They will be without head coach Scott Calabrese announcing today on social media that he has COVID despite being vaccinated. He will not make the trip with the Knights. That is a tough contest in Dallas uh, and to be there without uh, Coach Calabrese. So, uh, Knights uh, moving on up in the RPI after that win over number six. Tulsa women's soccer, they are off this week. They shut out Tulsa 3-0 on Sunday. They really have to win out. Just three games left in the season for them. They're about mid-40s in the RPI, but they're really going to need to win some games uh, down the stretch, if not all three of them. So we've been talking a little bit about Cincinnati. Let's uh, welcome in our next guest. He is Aaron Smith. He covers Cincinnati for Bearcat Journal. You can find him at acsmith 37 uh, thanks so much for joining us on the Sons of UCF Live. No problem. I'm expecting a little bit of hate coming from the uh, the comments here in no time at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about this. Number three, I mean, the Bearcats, they're, they're rolling along. You guys have to be sky high this season so far. Yeah, it's been uh, an incredible ride thus far. Number three in the nation. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, obviously, UCF. I know some people like to say paved the way, although – I remember, you know, maybe a couple seasons before that when Cincinnati was kind of doing their own thing and ending up in a sugar bowl against Florida. Uh, so it's not like we've not necessarily been here before. I mean, we've never been to number three before, but uh, we've, we've certainly had a little bit of respect from the nation before. So it's not the first time we've been up in the in the top 10 anyway. Um, but 
it's uh it's it's absolutely exciting and you wonder where this team might be had it not been for a, a covid shortened season that allowed some of the guys to come back for you know that fifth year uh and it's again just a lot of fun seeing a team that's ranked both top 10 in offense and defense all right, uh, Coach Melzahn's probably not listening, so this is just between us, Aaron. If, if there's a flaw in this Cincinnati team, what is it? If there's a flaw in the Cincinnati team, it's got to be the fact that we've not played four quarters the entire season. And whether that be Desmond Ritter, whether that be the running game not getting off right away um, or, or at all in an, in an entire game, um, it's, it's certainly just the fact that this – offense that has weapons all over the field they they just have not been clicking for four quarters in a game yet and so the sooner we can see a cincinnati bearcats team doing that i think the scarier that they'll be and the more serious that they'll be taken by the national media really and in your opinion why haven't they had a chance to to put all that together yet i don't know what, what somebody said that desmond ritter said in uh an oppressor that he doesn't really get going in a game until he's been hit. So we made the joke on our podcast earlier this week, like does somebody need to step out of the way and let him just take a quick hit early, early in the game. So he really gets going early on. Um, but I, I'm not really sure what it is because, you know, in practices he's doing fine. He's hitting everybody in stride. Um, and then later in the game, like, I mean, first, first play of the season was a deep bomb. I think it ended up being 70 some odd yards to Tyler Scott and, you know, it's just a matter of when are we going to get to see this team just kind of doing, you know, the other teams that are mentioned up in the top five, you know, a, a Georgia and Alabama just hitting on all cylinders an entire game. Cincinnati's taking care of business so far every week. There's been a couple weeks, though, where they've gotten off the slow first halves, the Murray State game mm -hmm. and the Indiana game. What did those teams do to kind of slow you down to start those games? Well, and that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about, where it's really just – you know, a three and out, quick three and out, quick three and out, um, where we're not, we're just not hitting the whole game. And whether that be some defensive line pressure, whether that be Desmond Ritter just being a little bit off on some of his passes, uh, it's just been an unfortunate couple, a uh, couple games there, it, just the way that they started, because you wonder if they had. I mean, they still ended up beating Indiana by double digits, but you wonder where they might be ranked if they had just thoroughly handled Indiana in Bloomington before anybody really knew what Indiana maybe was or wasn't this year. Um, same thing with Murray State. Uh, Murray State came out, and I think they wanted to be taken seriously. With Murray State, you have to keep in mind that they played through the spring as opposed to playing through the fall. Uh, and so they had roughly, I think, somewhere around like seven games that they played in the springtime. Um, so they kind of had an advantage on UC just kind of starting their season in the fall as opposed to having that spring slate of games that Murray State had. So it's just a little bit different feel for that team uh, as opposed to a team that was trying to gel on the field in only their second game of the calendar year. How have you seen Desmond Ritter grow as a quarterback over these seasons? It's been a wild, wild ride for Desmond Ritter as he started out. Uh, keep in mind, he started out as a two-star quarterback who was actually recruited by the Cincinnati Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, under a Tommy Tuberville regime. So if you just take all of that into account, that's insane to actually think about. To where he is now, he's being mentioned as a Heisman contender and thoroughly not just mentioned, but actually up there in the rankings right now with the stats that he's put up this season. Um, he has a child now and he is not shy about speaking about his daughter uh, and just mentioning how everything he's doing right now is keeping her future in mind and, and trying to make sure that he can continue to provide for her. So it's not even just the team that he's matured on. He's also become a family man with his girlfriend and daughter. So it's, it's really cool to see him kind of go from, again, just a two-star quarterback who had two offers uh, to being a guy who is in consideration for, uh, you know, the Heisman at this point. All right. So we've been where you are, Aaron, we've been a team uh, that's undefeated. We've uh, taken care of business and we were still way outside the college football playoff looking in. Do you, do you or Cincinnati fans real have a realistic expectation that you can get in the playoffs? And is there any part of you that just feels like you're waiting for that rug to get pulled out from under you? I mean, as a Cincinnati fan, you're always feeling that 
the rugs are going to get pulled out from under you. Uh, we felt it back in you know 2000 with Kenyon Martin when Cincinnati had the number one basketball team in the country and his leg snaps. Um, we felt it in, I think it was 2005 with Carson Palmer uh, on that long play to Chris Henry where both of them were taken out in the same play by the Steelers in the playoffs. Uh, we felt it with the Cincinnati Bengals complete meltdown um, when they had the Steelers on the ropes and fumbled the ball away. So there's, there's always, and, and we lost to Tim Tebow and Jesus in the sugar bowl. <laughs> um, so we're, we're always waiting, absolutely always waiting for the rug to get pulled out from under us. That said, things kind kind of are, are lining up for the Bearcats this year. Um, and I know that some of it's carryover from last year as UCF fans know how that feels when you had a great season the year before, and then kind of had that carryover going into the next season where, you competed for a, a national championship. Um, oh, boy. Oh that's boy. not going to help, Aaron. That's not going to help. <laughs> uh, you're doing good so far. There we go. <laughs> so, um, but, but in all seriousness, um, you know, it, we all absolutely are, are certainly waiting for the rug to get pulled out from under us. Uh, just in the fact that things happen like that here in Cincinnati. But, you know, with, with Alabama losing, if there was a two-loss if there if a two loss Alabama team is looking at, on the outside trying to get in, I don't know that you can do that after losing to A&M and if you lose to Georgia. Um, with the way that the Big Ten's lining up right now, you have three teams, I believe, in the top ten. Four teams. I'm sorry, four teams in the top ten. And so they all have each other on the schedule. They're all going to eventually cannibalize each other. So, so only I would think you're not going to get more than one Big team team. I'm sorry, one Big Ten team in. So to get two in would kind of be a tall task for, for any conference, really. Um, if there's going to be a conference doing that this season, it's it's – Honestly, either going to be a one-loss Alabama with Georgia, or I, I really don't think that the the Big Ten is going to end up with two in. So we are we're we're on the outside looking in. We know that, but things are kind of lining up to where all we have to do is win out, and that's not an easy task either. Is there are you know UCF on the schedule, SMU on the schedule, um, even Houston on the schedule, and then you still have to win your championship where everybody comes to play in a championship. So. It, there's a lot of season left to be played and a lot of things have to fall the Bearcats way, but we're obviously not going to rule, rule anything out this early in the season either. All right. You guys are 20 point favorites in this game. You've covered the spread in every game this week. Mm -hmm. Are you confident in blowing us out? Do you think it's going to be a three touchdown game or you think this is going to be a nail biter? You're due for a close one. We are due for a close one. I'll, I'll certainly give you that. That said, the defense is playing outstanding. They are allowing the second least amount of points in the nation right now. Um, also, the offense is playing pretty well. I mean, I know I said that they can't put a full game together yet. They're still number nine in the nation for points scored. Um, and that's still pretty impressive to have that going on on both sides of the ball. That said, the last two games against Central Florida has been three points, uh, a, a three-point win uh, by the Bearcats in each of the last two games. So we're, we're certainly not taking UCF lightly. Uh, Bearcat is an animal. Yes. Uh, go to, go to the Cincinnati zoo. You can see one there. I promise. Um, but I mean, it's, it's UCF. They're, they're definitely coming to play. It's, it's become a rivalry, even though I think we've only played like something like seven times, nine times, six times. Six, six six. times. Okay. So it's, it feels like a rivalry, and maybe that's because my cousin graduated from UCF. So uh, we, we kind of have that heated rivalry <laughs> between the two of us anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, to win any game by 20 points, if you want to be taken seriously as a, you know, CFP contender, you have to continue to blow out Las Vegas. So that's, I don't, if I, I'm not a betting man, I will be completely honest. Ohio doesn't have it. And it's kind of a pain in, to, uh, to cross the border right over into Indiana, which is about 15, 20 minutes away to have to go place a bet. So I don't, I don't really mess around with trying to do all that, but 20 points. If any team is going to do it, it would be this year's team um, with, with just the way that UCF has been decimated with injuries and all of that, uh, losing your defensive tackle, what a week or two ago, didn't hurt uh, for, for that spread either. Uh, but I'd, I'd bet lightly. Let's wrap with this Aaron uh, a question. I asked Adam and Mike off the top of the show. In this case, if Cincinnati wins the coin toss, would you prefer to see the offense on the field first or the defense? Knowing how we've been a, a second half team most of this season, uh, more so than a first half, and, and certainly trying to put four quarters together, 
I think I'd rather the defense get out there, get things going, get the crowd into it. Nippert's going to be rocking as it usually is. Of course, I would have loved to see this game a little bit later in the day than a, a noon game, um, especially for recruiting purposes. But uh, I would I would much rather see the defense out there than the offense for that first uh, first strike. Aaron, you've been a good sport. You cover Cincinnati for the Bearcat Journal, and you know we're heading to the Big 12 together. So we're stuck with each other, and we it's hope true. you'll join us again on the Sons of UCF Live. All right, stay in touch. All right, thank you, Aaron. At AC Smith 37, appreciate his insights. Uh, I think what he was talking there about that point spread, you do get the feeling, right, that they wouldn't mind laying it on thick uh, and and running up the score in an ABC Showcase game. They need to do that, right, to continue to impress in the polls. Really, all I heard there was he's the second smartest member of his own family mm-hmm. right behind his cousin went to UCF. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, they're going to want style points right now. They're in a position, and we were there too, right, where every every win can't just be a win. It has to be a blow. It has to be a massacre. You have to do uh, above and beyond to try to get the attention of, of the of the voters. He, he said a, a two-loss Alabama doesn't get in the playoff. I don't I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. I, I, logically, sure, but – I. I don't know, man. When you're looking at a CFP, a potential of like Iowa, Cincinnati, Georgia, and uh, you know, throw another you know Big Ten team in there, I I feel like they need eyeballs, man. And I feel like Alabama brings them, so I wouldn't be so confident of, of a two-loss Alabama not getting in. Anything's possible with this college football committee. I wouldn't be surprised if they came out in a couple of weeks and put them at number six. You know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if down the road Notre Dame stays undefeated, undefeated the rest of the season. They jump back over Cincinnati with the way these guys do things. So. Uh, they're going to need their style points, yes. Uh, but, you know, they kind of remind me of that Houston team in 2015. Or, I think it was 15 when they came off a big season, beat Florida State in the Sugar Bowl, uh, in the, uh, what was the Sugar Bowl? No, Peach Bowl. And they came back the next year. They beat Louisville early in the year. They beat Oklahoma early in the year. They got ranked pretty high and then ended up losing three games in conference, didn't even make the conference championship game. That may that's a possibility here for these Bearcats. Yeah, let's just ruin their season on Saturday and they won't have to worry about where they ranked in the uh, the college football playoff invitational. Yes, Adam, something? The And the only place I can see a Bearcat is at the Cincinnati Zoo. That's the only place it exists. <laughs> I, uh, I, call, I call shenanigans then. That, that, can't be, that can't be true. I am heading to Cincinnati tomorrow. I will be on the lookout for Bearcats. Please, uh, let's please. open up the mailbag at Michael Casey 2. Is there any chance of the injured players returning this week against Cincinnati? And uh, let me combine that with that stat boy, Drew. If Bowser is 85 90%, do you play him Saturday or save him for Memphis? Is 85 90% what you want to trot out, especially with a guy that has a little bit of a history of injury? I'd rather uh, Bowser be 100%. Yeah, I think you let Bowser decide if he wants to play or not. Um, everyone's week to week, from what I understand. Obviously, again, we saw um, we saw uh, Bowser with a, a brace that the Knight of Lorian would be jealous about. But I will say, if you saw our time this week, Ricky Barber was walking around and Clea Davis was hugging on him. From at least a torso up, he looked okay. He didn't appear to have a limp, no crutches or anything. So not sure what's going on there, but uh, I, I I mean, there's rumors that maybe some of these guys come back, but I mean, at this point, I, I wouldn't, I, I would bet against it and just hope to be surprised. Mike, what about this one at three night seven? What's the trickeration in the red zone? A Gatewood pass, perhaps? <laughs> I think we're going to see more of Gatewood this week. I really do. I think he's going to be a, a part in this game plan. Uh, we're going to have to get in third and short. We just talked about it with Nick Patty. If Gatewood could come in, give us three, four yards on first down, that puts us in a lot better situation. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a whole Gatewood drive somewhere mixed in here. At PDP Gage, do you think we're better off offensively if we use Gatewood at quarterback? First off, I think Mike Doty knows what I had for dinner last night. Second of all, um, (laughs) no, because I think then at that point, we're truly one-dimensional. I recognize, obviously, that Mikey Keene has not yet been uh, the Brett Favre of of the passing attack. But if he's out there, at least there's a threat of that. I think everybody knows Gatewood's not throwing the rock. So I think that makes us even more one-dimensional. I will say to Mike's point, if we want to do time uh, possession, we want to try to kill the clock, we want to do a running game, then Gatewood makes a lot of sense. But at that point, Cincinnati's going to pin their ears back, bring up all those monster defensive ends and linemen they have in some of those fast corners, and and then they know we're not throwing. So I, I don't I, I think in spots maybe, but I think that really mixes one-dimensional. Let me combine a couple of these for you, Mike. Uh, Robert, at two letters, two words, will Mikey Keene get an expanded playbook for the Cincinnati game? And at I am Rob 6719, 
can Gus's offense throw the ball more than 10 yards downfield? Uh, can it? And does that mean that we'll see more of Mikey Keene going deep? Yeah, I think these cornerbacks for Cincinnati are very aggressive. This Ahmad Gardner has never given up a touchdown. We saw him jump the route on, Gilly, on Dylan Gabriel a couple years ago. Maybe do a little pump fake and try to burn him deep one time. If not him, another corner. But yeah, I think we have to at least throw the ball, take a shot down there. Just if it buys us a couple yards in the secondary, we're going to have to do that even to open up the run game. Now, what about you, Adam? At UCF Buck, BUC 98, any chance Gus takes the training wheels off this week? Is Mikey ready for that? I, we don't know. I mean, we haven't really seen that. I, I said on the show this week, I, I feel like Mikey's going to have to make at least one or two special plays for us this week for us to come out with a win. I think he's, you know, we've been able to get away with him being conservative, just not making mistakes. I think we're going to need one or two special plays for, for him to, to, to really uh, help elevate us to a win status. Now, is that him doing something on his own, kind of a freelance McKenzie Milton style, or is that something that Gus is going to design in? I don't know, but you know, we, we can't let Cincy think we're going to be one-dimensional. I know somebody out there on, on social media was essentially saying we should throw the ball to Mott Gardner. That didn't go so well on social media. But I do think we can't be afraid to try to mix it up a little bit and get the ball in space if we can against our guys, uh, against their guys rather. So I don't know if we get a, a full expansion playbook, but the passing game is going to have to be there or else Cincy's going to know that we're one-dimensional at that point. Uh, they're going to dare us to beat us. And if we're not ready for that, then it's going to be 20 points plus in a hurry. Mike, what about you at Night Longwood? What does T Will need to do to bring the upset? You got to contain Ritter. We've been saying it forever. Can't let him beat you with his legs. Make him beat you with his arm. Even the Cincinnati guy says in the first half of those games, Murray State, he's a little bit off on his throws. And we know he's not the most accurate passer, especially going downfield. Make him do it and prove it that way. If you let him beat us on third down, running the ball, we're going to be in big trouble. At Hardis Ian, if we can only win one of the following games this season, is it the Cows or Cincinnati? It's got to be the Cows game. Oh, yeah, it's definitely man. the Cows game. Imagine beating Cincinnati in this game and then losing to the Cows later no. in the year. You can't have that. No. 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 So no. it's got to be the Cows. The answer is always the Cows. At the CMAS 14, based on what we saw from the defense, do you see any other games this season where the defense can carry us to victory, maybe lessen the pressure on the injury-riddled offense? I think that's a good question there. Yeah, why not all of them, right? I mean, I, I, I think if, if we can have a stout defense with a young quarterback who's kind of learning his way, and there's a question later on in, in the rundown here, Trace, I think that kind of speaks to this, but with a young quarterback, his, his best you know, his best friend would be a stout defense. So I, I think all of them. I think we're going to need the defense to have a pretty representative performance, what we saw against CCU throughout the rest of the season, um, until Mikey kind of gets it figured out and the offense kind of gets to click. So I say why not all of them? East Carolina has a good offense. We shut them down. There's some teams on this schedule that are really not that great on offense. I mean, you're talking about UConn still on there, Temple, the Cows. There's plenty of time for the defense to really have some big games too down the line. At UCF underscore Jeb Shred, does the possible growth from dropping two games give the Knights a better chance to win on Saturday? He thinks an angry underdog mentality fits the current players and coaching staff well. I, I, a chip on the shoulder doesn't hurt going into this game. Yeah, I think Gus can do that 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 pregame speech of no one believes in us. It's us against the world. They don't think we can play today. You know, I, I think he can certainly play all those cards. But I do think what what's helpful is that we didn't want it this way, but a lot of young guys are getting um, some real life experience right now. And so whether it's for later on this season for, for maybe next season, we're getting some guys who are getting trial by fire. And so perhaps getting your nose bloodied a couple of times does help a little bit. And some guys are going to learn some stuff, but the reality is I think if Gus is, you know, if Gus has, has, you know, the pregame speech wired up and I'll, I'll borrow David Green's you know line here, we can't play scared. I mean, we really have nothing to lose. This is a house money game. We're a 20 point underdog, right? Um, so this is a house money game. Let's go out there and let it rip and, and give Mikey that confidence. So maybe that helps out and maybe that does provide them a little less of a, uh, of a stressor. You know, if we're five and zero playing five and zero, and this is Mikey's, you know, first, you know, road start against a, a number three team, then maybe he's a little tight, but at this point, nothing to lose. Uh, Mike at night underscore merchant is being ranked in the top three for the first time in school history. Fuel the Bearcats momentum. Or does it add crippling pressure like the cows experienced in 2007? Yeah, they're going to start feeling the pressure, if not now, down the road in this season for sure. Even our 2018 team, which was probably one of our, our best team, um, we had some very close games. That Memphis game on the road down 16 points late in the second half of that game. There's going to be a point in this season where Cincinnati is going to need some luck to get through this season undefeated. Maybe it starts this week. Hopefully it starts this week. And we, we can put some pressure on them ourselves. 
at capped Vige one What kind of showing at Cincinnati will it take for UCF Mike to put away his angry eyes? <laughs> no, I'm not angry right now. I'm happy after the win last week. I said it all on the pod. I was happy. Uh, a win is a win. I'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. So um, what kind of showing this week? I mean, don't get embarrassed. Don't lose by three touchdowns. Cover the spread. Keep us in the game into the fourth quarter with a shot to win this game. Mike, can we see those angry eyes really quickly? <laughs> uh, we end with at Golden Knight underscore the second. What's the drink of choice on Saturday for numbing the pain from uh, what you may be about to watch? That's the uh, question. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my white claws. I mean, either way, you know, tried and true, get you through the day. So I'll I'll go with the white claws. Why not? It's a noon game. I like to drink Bloody Marys for those early kickoffs. I have a softball game with my daughter. I'm going to be having to DVR this game and watch it a little bit on delay. So I'm going to have to turn the phone off. Uh, may not start here until like 1230, 1 o'clock myself. But I think Bloody Marys is the way to go Saturday. How do you uh, then accomplish syncing up to the radio broadcast when you yeah. – uh, that's, that's a done Can't deal. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. not going to be able to do it this week unless I catch up to the real time at some point. Maybe by halftime I'll be caught up. And then I can do it for the second half, but not going to be able to do it to start. Well, so you successfully is, uh, pull it off. You you shut down social media. You're, you're in a, a vacuum there. You don't know anything that's going on. Yeah, I'll just turn off the phone. And that's it. Because I, I get I text messages from friends, too. I can't have that. They think uh, this week Bob was shoozing and Dan Orlovsky in the call. So it uh, feels like an upgrade <laughs> over whoever called the ECU game, which was not good. Yeah, at least it's an ABC crew, not the uh, ESPN Plus guys. It may have been in episode 151 of the show where you said that uh, if they were to lose, you don't know how you could continue doing the show. I just got to remind you, I, I did a, a show every week during 2015. It is not easy to, to remain upbeat. These losses hurt. There's a reason we started doing this thing after an undefeated season, and we were undefeated the first year we did this thing. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to do it during 2015. You guys are on crack if you do that. Yeah, it was not easy. Knights 44 and 10 in their last 54 games. I'm reminded, though, with Cincinnati Week of uh, Josh Heupel saying uh, Cincinnati came out with uh, something completely different than what we, we prepared for. <laughs> Maybe we can get Luke Fickle to say that of Gus Malzahn this week. Uh, it's possible. I mean, it, there was a lot, uh, a lot of um, respect from both coaches uh, of each other in the programs. I think that was cool. I think a question I saw earlier in the chat, and I can't find it really quickly, but somebody was asking, that was the game where Cincinnati broke out their vaunted 3-3-5 defense, and Heupel spent the entire time counting bodies as opposed to trying to figure out how to defeat it. And they've essentially stuck to that defense ever since. Now, we know their defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, is now at Notre Dame, so they've got new leadership on the defensive side. Do we see the same 3-3-5 defense? Do they try something different? And, you know, I've said all along, this is the game we brought Gus here for. Gus here for he has game planned his entire life he knows what Cincinnati is going to run this is the game that he's here for can he dial up a plan he said after the game Trace you were in the room at ECU he was leaving the podium to go right to watch film no Waffle House no buying Peter Millar polos he was going right to the, the film room <laughs> to watch him film so this is the game I want to see what game plan he comes up with this is what we've been waiting for now granted I think he assumed he'd have Dylan Gabriel with that game plan but yeah. still nonetheless what game plan can he cook up for us Gus has pulled off some upsets before. Remember, he's beaten Alabama, what was it, three, four times when he was with Auburn. They were in underdogs in some of those games. He has experience in big-time games like this. So I have faith in Gus. Now, does he have the guys to get the job done? We're going to find out. Well, some of the keys to the game that we haven't mentioned is the play of the offensive line, right? Uh, do they help the running game? Assuming Isaiah Bowser's not back, uh, Trillian Coles, uh, Johnny Richardson, Mark Anthony Richards. Do we see they want to control the clock, right, as much as they can, take pressure off Mikey Keene. You're going to need that line to protect Keene. Cincinnati stopped defensively. They are going to come after Mikey, and is that where he makes some mistakes? But, again, he kept his composure down the stretch against ECU, but let's be fair, ECU is not Cincinnati. Yeah, I asked Nick uh, Nick Patty the question. I think it's first and second down are the key. If we can keep ourselves at least in front of the chains on first and second down, give us third and manageables, I think that opens up the playbook for Gus. We have not yet seen Mikey do anything with his legs. And he's, you know, he was sort of given to us as he's a playmaker. He's a guy who gets out of the pocket, makes plays. He's been pretty stagnant inside the pocket. We saw Dylan make a lot of runs in the first couple of games of the season. I wonder if at any point in time we see Mikey get out of the pocket or is this going to be one of those, you know, 2019 Dylan Gabriel things where 
Josh Heupel basically ground him into the pocket and said, don't ever move out of there? Or will we see Mikey get out of the pocket a little bit, make some plays with the legs? We have not yet seen that for Mikey Keene. Yeah, maybe a couple more design runs, some read options. I think there was a, a play last week where it was a read option. And he held on to it. And, I mean, I'm sorry, he handed it off. And if he would have held on to it, he had a lot of open field ahead of him. So let's see. Maybe that's something he's not comfortable with. But we'll see if this week if they put it in there. And then conversely, the defensive line, we saw what Louisville's quarterback did when he got on the outside and the edge. And, you know, Desmond Ritter hasn't been running as much and hasn't needed to as he has in previous seasons, last season. But he can do it. And when will he scramble for a first down? And can the defense lock in on him? It's going to be tough, especially not having all your guys back. But they'll take any guys that they get back. And, of course, you guys will be covering it on episode 152 of the show. I am off to Cincinnati tomorrow. Safe travels to all of our nights. I'm looking forward to seeing Jan and Britt and Missy and Lynn's going up. Our friend Lynn uh, is going up with Lori and Jan and Britt. So going to be some festivities uh, out Friday night and hopefully celebrating a win on Saturday. And a reminder, next game home Friday night against Memphis, a pair of tickets, section 231, row one, Leave us a five-star review. Give us high compliments on the podcast, on the Sons of UCF live show, and then listen to Adam and Mike Monday, Tuesday, whenever that show drops, and they'll uh, they'll draw the name, and we'll announce it on social media as well. Guys, let's enjoy this one. High noon Saturday on ABC. Let's pull the upset and have a lot to talk about next week. Yes. <laughs> We're going to do it, baby. We're going to do it. I feel confident in this one. We're going to shock right. the world. Shock the world. All right, everybody. I'm Trace Trollco. Go Knights! George Knights. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.